Welcome to Outside Inside Radio, which is brought to you by Prison Arts Collective. Prison Arts Collective is founded on the belief that art is a human right and is dedicated to bringing the transformative power of the arts to people experiencing incarceration. Our collaborative teaching teams include faculty, students, and staff, and our classes include making art, art history, reflection, and the cultivation of a safe space. We're based in the School of Art and Design at San Diego State University and have additional chapters at three CSU campuses. Prison Arts Collective is a project of California Transformative Arts, an initiative of the California Arts Council and the California Department of Corrections and Rehabilitation. Outside Inside Productions are a way to communicate with our participants and with the wider public through video and other media as an extension of our distance learning project created in response to COVID-19. Hi everyone, my name is Ella Turin and I'm one of your co-hosts for Outside Inside Radio. Hello there, I'm Kathy Foley-Meyer and I'm the other co-host. And we wanna welcome you to season three of Outside Inside Radio. For our first episode, we thought that we would take a moment to talk to each other about our thoughts on art and transformation and the system and how all those things intersect. So we're really excited to bring this to you. We have a number of really interesting and wonderful guests to bring to you for season three, and we're excited to get the conversation going. So for those of you who might not know what Outside Inside Radio is and might be tuning into this for the first time. It's a project of the Prison Arts Collective and it was developed when the pandemic started as a way to continue to share the stories of artists, writers, musicians who are impacted by incarceration. And as a way to tell those stories and share them, not only with the larger public, but with folks on the inside as well. So it has blossomed, I think, into this amazing project. I came onto it in season two, and then uh, I also uh, wrangled Kathy to join me <laughs> on this journey as well. So Kathy, now that we've completed season two, do you wanna maybe talk about what we did in season two and what's gonna be happening in season three? Sure. Um... So I'm going to start off by saying I'm a visual artist and I kind of became interested in art and incarceration um, through a documentary I saw of Johnny Cash performing at Folsom Prison and also at San Quentin. And there was something about it that was really compelling. Um, also, when I was doing research for my application for graduate school, because I'm currently a uh, PhD candidate in visual studies at UC Irvine. Um, I came across Faith Ringgold's piece for the Women's House, this um, piece that she created for the Correctional Institution for Women um, at Rikers. And when I look at the looked at the piece, it was just so vibrant, and the the women that she portrays are kind of looking out at the audience, and, and they have these very kind of intense expressions. Um, and this was, piece was created in the early 70s. So when I mentioned that, um, just 
to Ella and she said, oh, I've, you know, been working with incarcerated populations for some time and I can tell you, you know, all about what it's like. And, uh, and then this thing kind of fell into our lap. So the first season, which we recorded, which is season two of the podcast, the word had been put out to artists uh, that were impacted by the justice system, if they'd like to talk about their experience, if they'd like to talk about their work. So our first season was just a series of artists' interviews. I think the first interview we did um, was with a musician. We had a, a couple of visual artists as well. I think one writer and one person that was kind of in a lot of different categories. Um, but as we were doing it, I started to think, you know, wow, there's there's actually, a, you know, there's this long tradition of artists going um, inside and performing. But also there's a tradition of arts programming inside um, inside prisons. And I was kind of interested in that history as an art history and um, just as a, you know, human history. So we decided for this season that we would kind of maybe broaden the focus a little bit and talk a little bit about the history of art and the arts and incarceration. That's one of the things that I'm excited about is to kind of expand who we're talking to and what we're talking about, because there's so many ways in which all of these areas intersect. And as you mentioned, you know, you kind of came into it through a conversation with me. I entered this work around art and incarceration when I was living in New York a long time ago. I won't say how long ago, but I started working with a group called the Blackout Arts Collective which was a collective of artists of color. And we were doing activist and education work. And one of our focuses was on the prison industrial complex. And that's where I first sort of like encountered the prison system and understanding all of its complexities. And a lot of us who kind of like enter into this work do enter into it sometimes by accident. Uh, and that was certainly the case for me. It's not necessarily the case that I was looking for it. Although I did have people in my family and I've had, you know, friends over time be impacted by the system. So, you know, most people don't realize how much the system impacts each and every one of us, whether we realize it or not. But I think what's really interesting about the people we get to talk to is that they are bringing to light the experiences of people inside. And in that way, I think really being able to connect each and every person, whether you've been incarcerated or not, whether you have had somebody in your family who's been system impacted or not, we all can relate to some of the stories that we're hearing about personal transformation, about trauma, about heartache, about what it's like to be self-reflective, about, you know, the injustices that happen on the outside to all of us, right? And these artists are really doing such incredible work in taking those experiences and translating them into art forms so that they can be accessible to a wide range of people. Yeah, one of the most interesting things to me is when the artists will talk about their process and how making art makes them feel seen and makes the people that they are kind of in communication with in, inside, if they're, especially if they're teaching, um, it's this process of becoming visible to yourself. And in making the art, you're also becoming visible to a wider audience. 
some of the art that is created is so amazing. I'm not done with the book yet, but I just started reading um, Dr. Nicole Fleetwood's book, Marking Time, Art in the Age of Mass Incarceration. And she has um, incredible photographs and some of it is just so intricate. There's a series of eggshells, like the you know egg minus everything that's in it. They look like Fabergé eggs. They look perfectly normal sitting at the Metropolitan Museum of Art or something like that. I mean, just um, because when you're doing time, as it says, you you have this incredible amount of time to work on your art. And so for an artist, that means you have a lot of time to be really focused and concentrate on what you're doing. Prison is not an ideal space, but it is a space where you can concentrate for uh, long periods of time on one particular project. And that concentration kind of comes across in the work that we see that comes out. And it's also interesting too, once they're outside, how that art changes or doesn't. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I think I love that you bring up um, Dr. Fleetwood's book because it's so powerful and she's done such a great job in that book in distilling some of the like core ideas and themes around what it's like to create art on the inside. I love how she breaks it down into these into the what she calls carceral aesthetics and she talks about penal time, penal space, penal matter and when you break it down that way, you really then start to consider what it requires to create this work, right? That there is a time element to it, but also like, what are the materials? Like, I find it so interesting what people have been able to use that are that are not considered traditional art materials, but people become very creative around what they do have access to and how they can create the art. Like, one image that she showed that was part of the exhibit as well that accompanied the book featured uh, bedspreads that were used to transfer images. And the transfer was made using hair gel and other kinds of materials, right? So I'm just like, this is genius, right? To, to think of remixing the kinds of materials that you have to be creative and to make these creative works that speak directly to these kinds of social justice issues. And also, I think the other piece about it, the space of it, right? Not only the materiality of it, but like, where where can you, like, where does this stuff occur? Like, where is it made? And how much space is it taking up? And where do you have to send it off to, to keep it safe? All of these things I think are so important and powerful to consider so that when people are looking at a piece of art or a performance or, or anything that's creative, there's a context, right? Because it's not the same as an artist being in a studio or in their own home creating a piece of work. There's so much more that has to go into it to make that piece that we don't know about. So she has this quote that when I read it, it really struck me. So I'm just gonna, it's pretty short. Um, she says, to make art in prison is to create under the conditions of scarcity of resources, lack of control over one's environment, immobility, constant surveillance, and a combination of sensory deprivation and sensory overload, depending upon where one is housed. The institution so rigorously governs what one artist's attempt to manipulate and work within or around penal constraint. And her words made me think about just the visibility of 
prison populations, how they're invisible to the outside. The population is, is away from sort of public sight, so it's easy to forget about, you know, that it exists. At the same time, there's art production going on inside, and that seeps out. So that kind of brings up all of the issues surrounding our justice, you know, our criminal justice system and makes them more visible. But at the same time, it connects one segment of humanity on the inside to the other on the outside. Absolutely. And one of the other things I've really enjoyed in speaking to our guests is that they have such joy that's connected to their art. And I love to hear them sharing not only their process, um, and also what art has meant to them, but also when they're sharing their thoughts about how art has impacted other people in their lives, their lives in general, and then hearing a, hearing like sort of like their inspirational thoughts um, to other people has been really powerful. You know, I think it's important because all of us have moments when we're unsure of ourselves or um, doubting our abilities, but you know, it, it's pretty powerful. And to get that moment of encouragement from folks, I think is tremendous. Yeah. And and the fact that our podcast is being heard by people inside, because sometimes you're not, you're, you're actually an artist before you realize you're an artist. Sometimes it can take courage to actually make things and, and claim that artist's space, which I think is another kind of huge thing to come out of, you know, an incarcerated space and say, okay, yes, I am an artist, but to claim it inside is also something significant. And some of the artists we've been talking to have done work, like video work inside and um, some amazing video work in that um, you really get a sense of all the, like the breadth of humanity that is, you know, on the inside, which is something you don't normally get. We tend to see a dramatized version, you know, and like that's a totally distorted um, kind of, view, but it's pretty much all we have. Um, so we tend to get ideas and about what it's really like. And what's nice about some of the artists we've interviewed is that you, you know, you really get to meet people and see what they're like. And, and it kind of reminds you, oh, yes, this is, a you know, a population of human beings with all sorts of different personalities and talents and um, there are other considerations, sociological, that there are, you know, more people of color behind bars. And, you know, a lot of our, our interviewees are also activists. You know, we use the phrase justice impacted. And I think everyone is justice impacted. The fact that that structure exists and the way it exists and the way that it functions um, impacts all of us. Talking to our artists is a way to kind of remember that and remind ourselves of that and, and stay connected to the humanity in that. Yeah. And I love, you know, you mentioned that um, many of our guests are activists and I also love that piece, how they can connect their artwork um, to issues that they care about. Many of them can agree that it's kind of therapeutic, it's cathartic to be able to express yourself in a certain way and learn about yourself in a certain way. But then if it also can help comment on a social issue 
or be used as a vehicle to um, advocate for a certain community or, um, you know, try to change something that's not just. Um, I think that's powerful as well. And I love that the artists that we have talked to, many of them um, are doing that very intentionally, right? So that's part of the reason that they make art is not just for the sake of making it, which is great by itself, but it's also because they have a message that they want to share with the world. Yeah, I, I think it's interesting. Art made by incarcerated populations is getting a lot of attention in the market. And mm-hmm. um, I, I, was, I, think I was reading something, I think it was art news, and they used the phrase prison art. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we have to categorize it and then, and, we ha- and then we have to monetize it. We have to set the value. But uh, this article was all about art fairs and, and the industry kind of getting interested in it. You know, the art market has a tendency to just see things in a certain way because the intent is obviously to commodify. I mean, that's kind of the way capitalism works. You're always going to bump up against the sociological issues that are present when you talk about an incarcerated population. And when you try to commodify that, there's all sorts of kind of moral and ethical issues that come up. And I think some of our guests have thought about that and dealt with that in their work. And that's always interesting. Well, and Kathy, you're an artist. How did you become an artist? And what was your what's your medium and all that? I was a writer before I was anything else. And then I realized that I needed to make something visual. I couldn't just, I was kind of tired of words. And I came across this sort of hidden history of LA that I really wanted to explore as an artist, a location called Bronzeville. And it basically was little, the neighborhood um, that was inhabited by Japanese citizens, people during the, right before World War II, um, the Japanese were, you know, interned and imprisoned. And that neighborhood became a black neighborhood known as Bronzeville. And I was sort of fascinated by that. Um, And also, this happens a lot in LA, there are neighborhoods and areas that are sort of claimed as, you know, territory, and then the population moves or is removed or, you know, kind of filters out, and um, then somebody else kind of moves in. So there are all these little ethnic pockets. And I was interested in, in Bronzeville. And at the same time, I was taking a course at the Museum of Neon Art, and I made my first piece of art about that. And I was really interested in the properties of glass. So yeah, my early pieces were glass and neon. And now the work I'm doing is mostly related to my dissertation, which which is about uh, blackness and the ocean and ocean memory. Um, And the ocean memory of human cargo that did not survive the Middle Passage. So I've been making art about the voyages, um, you know, that took place during the Middle Passage and the lives that were lost then. And uh, yeah, so I, I, I'm sort of hyper tuned to issues of surveillance and visibility and blackness. So now I'm going to put you on the spot because I have seen your work. I've seen your work performed. uh, Well, obviously it was live, but since it was the pandemic, it was also technically taped. Actually, my first art form was probably visual art. Um, when I was l- younger, I loved to draw and uh, I draw on anything I could find. I used to take 
catalogs that came in the mail. At that time, um, many of the catalogs were still drawn. They were still like figures that were illustrations. Um, I don't think I thought of it this way then, but it, upon reflection, as I've been thinking about it, I'm like, this is kind of what was going on in the back of my mind that um, all of those illustrations were of white women. And so I used to redo them. I would make pages and pages of illustrations of like fashion models who were all black and, you know, women of color. You know, I got to high school and I started doing, my, a friend of mine, um, she convinced me to join the speech and debate club. And so I started doing, I started competing um, and doing drama interpretation. And that's how I got into doing characters. And um, that kind of like was the early way that I entered into doing performance. Did you do improv? I, I, in college, I did do improv. I took a class. So I was a theater minor. I was a visual arts minor as well. So I basically lived in either the theater or all of the art studios on campus. Um, and yeah, that's how I've kind of like continued on. And then when I started working with the Blackout Arts Collective, that's when I started to really write poetry more. I hadn't had written a like, couple of things here and there for like my parents, but there were a lot of poets in the group and we did a lot of open mics. And so I started writing poetry and performing poetry. Um, and that's, that's where, that's some of the beginnings of the work that I started to do inside is doing poetry and creative writing work with young people um, in carceral settings. And it's been such an amazing experience. Yeah, how do they react? Cause I know some of you do do some of your kind of autobiographical work for them. Um, I think you did a piece, was it last year that I saw? Yes, so I did perform my one woman show, um, Love Locks and Liberation. Actually, through the Prison Arts Collective, I was able to do a workshop and perform it at CIW, Correctional Institution for Women. And what was really cool about that is we also did a project, a visual arts project, because my show is all about um, identity and sort of like understanding your self-worth and beauty. So we did a project where I asked all the women to create a collective self-portrait. And the way that we did this is I brought in a huge piece of sort of like cardboard paper. I divided it into four and split everybody up in four groups. And I brought in a ton of magazines and I gave each group a bunch of magazines and they had um, they had like glue and some scissors and things. And I said, okay, you're each going to create a quadrant of this one face. So I had traced out the face and each person had a quarter of it. Each group had a quarter of it and they could do whatever they wanted. So use images, colors, they had colored pencils too. So they each created their own section of the face. And it was so interesting what people did. I mean, not only collaging stuff from the magazines, but for the hair, like the ones who had the hair, they actually curled the hair on one side. And then the people who had the lips, like one of them, they took all the images of lips in, that they could find and use that as the lips, like collage those to make the bigger lip. Um, so it was very cool. And then at the end, we put them all together and it was one huge face. And it was our collective face, but it had each of our individual stamp on it. 
Uh, and it looks so amazing. And so I promised the women too, I got their permission to um, use the um, that piece that they created in my show. So the show that you saw that was streamed in the corner, there was that big face that was created by the women at CIW. Yeah. So what, where's that work now? It's, it's with me. <laughs> I have it. Yeah. So whenever I perform that show, if it's possible, I will be having that in the show and I credit them for creating it. Yeah. Yeah. That is awesome. So I think this is a, a good place for us to pause um, and keep you wanting more for the next um, several episodes that we're going to bring you. But hopefully you've gotten a chance to hear about us and really understand what we're trying to do with Outside Inside Radio. Um, we hope that you will tune in each week as we bring you guests who are really thoughtful and insightful and can talk about all the things that we've been talking about today, just from their perspective. Yeah, we are really excited about season three. And, uh, you know, I always keep in mind all of the great works that have been created by um, inside populations and, you know, incredible writers um, and activists, everyone from, you know, Nelson Mandela to MLK, Jean Genet, Oscar Wilde. So we hope you will tune in and go on this journey with us because we're really excited. Absolutely. Thank you so much for listening. We appreciate you and we hope you'll come back next week for more of Outside Inside Radio. Okay. Bye-bye. Thank you for joining us here at Outside Inside Radio. We really appreciate your support. And you can find out more about us at www.prisonartscollective.com. I'm your host, Ella Turen. Thank you so much for listening to this special episode of Outside Inside Radio. Until the next time.